0: All right, I think I got the little green light on. There it is, and we're all ready to go. And I want to encourage you to buckle up because uh, I don't want to keep you here all day. And this is a big message. Uh, we shared it in the first service, and it's one of those ones where my paper has a lot of yellow highlight. I I burned through the yellow ink in the copier. Um, that's just how I know how the sermon's going to go. It's like whoa, there's a lot of yellow slides going to come up up behind you. But I want to encourage you in that. Um, we're starting the year. It's the beginning. It's uh, um, not the beginning of the year, year, but beginning of the school year, so it feels like another start. And so as we kick off this part of the year, I want to stop and say, why do we do the things that we do, and and kind of who are we? Not who are we as the vineyard, but who are we as Christian people? And if we are Christian people, and Christ lives inside of us, then what does it mean for us to go outside of these walls and exist? Okay, so let me take you to the book of Matthew. I'm gonna I'm gonna read out of this thing. This is called a Bible. Um, you might have one of these at home. You you might not. If you don't see me, we'll hook you up. Um, you're always welcome to bring it into this building. Um, I keep mine. Here except for the ones I have at home. It's always going to show up up there and you can do that. But I want to take you to the eighth chapter, excuse me, um, yeah to the eighth chapter of the book of Matthew, beginning in verse one. I only want to share four verses with you. and I want to talk to you just a little bit what, about what I believe the Lord is saying that we need to hear today as a congregation in Central Kentucky. Who are we going to be? as the church of Jesus Christ. So, so let me just take you there real quick, okay? Let's just get the verses read, and then um, and let's see what the Lord has to say for it. But let's just begin here. When he, that will be Jesus... When he came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. And a man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Really need you to key in on that right there. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus, circle this if you brought one of these, reached out his hand and touched the man. Touched him. Put his hands on him prayed for him, healed him. It says, I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cured of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to the priests, to them. I want them to know what happened. You can keep it on the down low, but make sure you at least let the religious leaders know what just took place in your life. And I love this story because there's no doubt in my mind the guy did not do that. He went and told everybody, just like everybody else, Jesus told to keep it quiet. And then they go and they'll tell everybody this is what Jesus did. We need some more people being told to be quiet that can't stand to keep their mouth shut. Telling people about Jesus. And that's what we want to look at today. So let me just share this with you, okay? Let me share this with you. Try to keep up because I'm trying not to keep you here till 1 o'clock, okay? we got a pulse tonight. And I really expect to see those of you that are saved there, okay? Um, I'm just saying, if you're not saved, stay home. It's all good. But Jesus, Jesus came down the mountain. Now you're like, oh, man, we got to go now, don't we? Yeah, because he's probably keeping record. (laughs) No, I'm not. Okay, but here's the deal. Jesus came down the mountain. Okay, he was up on the mountain and he was sharing what you and I know to be the Sermon on the Mount. That's what's going on. Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7 is one of those sections of your Bible that is almost completely read. Not not like red like I read it. Red like in, it's red in letters. In ink, it's red. Okay? Because it's so full of, this is what Jesus said without any explanation except at the beginning and the end. Okay? This is what Jesus said we're supposed to do. So he's up there on a sermon, uh, doing his Sermon on the Mount thing with all of his disciples and then they come down from the mountain. The core of Jesus' teachings, I believe this beyond a shadow of a doubt. The core of what Jesus is trying to get across to you can be found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Everything else in the New Testament in my personal belief system points to what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. In Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus told us what kind of character we should have with the Beatitudes. In Matthew 5, 6, and 7, he said, what kind of a testimony should we have in the world? He said, this should be your relationship with the Old Testament law. He tells us how do we relate to people that we're very angry with, people that we would like to murder. You know, I keep saying that, but I'm just telling you. Paul says, listen, those of you that are murderers, stop murdering. Was murder such a normal sin in the Old Testament, that they were just like, oh, man, I whacked a guy. Ah, what do I do? And they say, well, don't worry, Jesus will forgive you. But you got to stop whacking people. I mean, were people just walking around killing people? Because as often as Paul says, and some of you were murderers, and the Scripture tells us, don't murder people. It's like, wow, what was going on back then? But let's just go on, okay? Jesus gives us verses and words about adultery, okay? If he's not yours and she's not yours, stay away from her knock it off, okay? He tells us about divorce. He talks to us about taking oaths. He talks to us about the need for revenge. He talks to us about our enemies. He talks to us about giving and helping our neighbor and who is our neighbor. He talks about how to pray. He, he answers the question, do we need to fast? He talks about a purpose. Jesus, what do you want me to do? Why am I on this earth? He talks to us about our need for food and clothes and housing. He talks to us about being judgmental. He talks to us about um, the fact that we are in need of Jesus. He talks to us about the way to heaven. He talks to us about the need to produce fruit. He talks to us about the fact in Matthew 7 that not everybody's going to heaven that says, Lord, Lord. And he says, and don't be ignorant of these words of mine, because I'm telling you right now, the storms will come. And if you put these words into action, you will be saved. From now on, after you've read Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and then you're reading Peter or Paul or, or John or maybe just a little bit of Jude because Jude only put a little bit in there, okay? And you're reading a little bit of these books and you're like, huh, I wonder what these people mean because Jesus said this, but they said that. Let me just share something with you. Jesus did not preach John. He did not preach Peter. He did not preach Paul, and he did not preach Jude. They preached Jesus. So if you have some confusion about what the Bible says about what the Bible says, then you go back and look what Jesus said first, because these guys are trying to help you understand Jesus and what it means. And so I want to encourage you to be aware of that. Here's another thing that I want to share with you. As you're reading along in your Bible, I would dare tell you this, that the single most simple reading of your Bible is probably what your Bible is trying to get across to you. I really believe... I've had people come up and say, Hey, Pastor Joe, have you ever read all the 316s in the Bible? Do you think there's a secret code in there? It's like, no. There's a whole book called Revelation. The Lord's trying to let us know what's going on. He's trying to give us the what's what about the kingdom of heaven on the earth. He's not trying to hide anything. He doesn't want us to hide it under a bushel basket. He doesn't want to hide it in his word. But at the end of the day, we go to the Scripture and we say, Hey, what is it that's going on here? So, Jesus... Jesus has come down from the mountain and he's laid out the core of his teaching and there's no doubt in my mind that he is absolutely exhausted. He's been up there teaching three chapters. I do 40 minutes in here, and I just, it's like, my my wife's like, What do you want to do this afternoon? I'm like, I want to eat. It's like I've been smoking pot, and I never smoked pot before, and I don't smoke pot, and I don't recommend it. I'm just saying, everything that I ever hear about it, giving you the yummies or the eaties or whatever it's called, it's like, when I'm done preaching, it's like, Give me food, and then let me sleep. Last week, we heard from. Brady Hoskins, that kid came up here and knocked it out of the park. I am not afraid of the church being in the hands of our youth at all. I am so excited about people that are pouring Christ into their children and his parents and his grandparents and the legacy that he spilled all over us. But I did take him into my office in between services, and I try to be all tough and mean and, you know, gruff with him, and it's like, Brady, how do you think you did And he's like, Well, I think I did. Did you do what the Lord told you to do, Brady? He's like, Yeah, yeah, I did that. I said, Well, how do you feel about it? He goes, I'm hungry. (laughs) I said, Wait till that next sermon's done. I said, Then you're going to be hungry and tired, and you're going to want to be left alone. So I can only imagine Jesus coming down off that mountain, and he's been up there sharing and preaching and teaching, doing the work, and he's like, oh, man, I'm tired. And a leper comes up to him. A leper has the audacity to be out in society and walks up to him and says, Lord, if you are willing, you can heal me. I've heard the news about you. I know who you are. I know what's what would you please do it? And Jesus, and I love this part of him, reached out and touched me and said, I'm willing be clean. Now he could have done like with the Roman centurion. Lord, I need you to heal my servant. Come on, let's go to your house. And the Roman centurion says, you don't got to come to my house. I'm a man under, under authority. If I say this, they go there. If I say this, they go there. And, and Jesus said, whoa, what about that? And he said, all right, your servant's healed. He could have said, oh, back off, back off. Don't you know I'm important? You're a leper. Stay away from me. Stay away from me. Stay there, stay there, stay there. I'll heal you from here. Okay, I'm going to heal you from here. Okay, don't, you guys, I got people for this. Keep them away from me. He didn't do that, did he? Guy's so important. His, His disciples keep children away from him. He's so important. And he says, I'm willing. I will heal you. I will touch you. What's a leper to you? Filthy, nasty, awful, greasy, drug addict, prostitute, laying in the gutter, homeless person? Is that a leper to you? What's a leper to you? Somebody who's not allowed in public. Now, some of you, I can feel it from here. Some of you like, yeah, Pastor Joe, I've done some Bible study myself, and I'm just here to tell you that, you know, recurring acne can be leprosy back in the day because it's a skin blemish. And it can-. Listen, Matthew said it was leprosy. And you know why I put my, my money on that? Because people who handle money are exact, okay, <laughs> listen, you've heard me say this before, but there was a time in life when those of us that had bank accounts actually had to write a check on paper and then we had to write in the back of this little book thing who we wrote the check to and how much we did and then we kept a running accrual of how much we did or didn't have of money and I can remember being at home one time, I'm the artist in the family, the free spirit, my wife is the nerd, okay, and I can remember being at home one time and and we go to bed at the same time and if you don't go to bed at the same time, i I will be praying for your marriage after this, but you should go to bed at the same time. Okay. But that, that, that being said, And I said, Hey, I'm going to bed. Let's go to bed. And she said, I can't. I said, why? She said, cause I'm looking for some money. I'm, I just, I can't reconcile this. That's what it's called. You reconcile your, your checkbook. And I said, well, well, how much are we missing? She said a nickel. I said, five cents. You missed the whole movie and you've been sitting next to me working on a checkbook for five cents. She said, yeah, it's got to add up. It's got to be right. I said, I'll give you 25 cents to come to bed with me. Okay, don't take that any further than you need to, okay? We were married. We had a license. I'm just saying. And she goes, it doesn't work that way. I said, I'll give you a quarter. She said, no, 2 o'clock in the morning, 2.30 in the morning. All of a sudden, I hear her go, wow, yes. And I wake up, and I really didn't want to. And I said, "Well, yes, what? And she said, I found the nickel. Give you a dollar to be quiet and let me sleep. I had to be to work at 4.30, and it was a 45, I mean 5.30, and it was a 45-minute drive. It's like, come on. People that deal with money are exact. There's no gray area with them. You got $10.05, or you got $10.05, but you don't got about $10.05. It's it's 10 dollars Matthew was a tax collector. He dealt with money. If somebody came up and said they had leprosy, I promise you, he understood they went to the temple and got it certified so that they could be whatever you want to call it because it didn't allow him to be in public. And so Jesus comes down the mountain, and this guy is supposed to be going unclean, 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 and he's not doing it. And the fact of the matter is he wants to be healed, and Jesus heals him. The book of Leviticus says this about um, leprosy. Anybody with such a defiling defiling disease must wear torn clothes. Tear your clothes for no good reason, except that you're diseased. Tear your clothes. Okay? You have to let your hair become unkempt. That means don't wash it, don't comb it, don't take care of it. You've got to look nasty. Cover the lower part of your face, face with a cloth and cry out, unclean, unclean, as you walk along. As long as they have this disease, they remain unclean and they must live alone and stay outside the camp. See? You're not allowed to be in society. And so here was this guy walking up to Jesus, violating all the cleanliness rules and the health rules of Israel from 613 commandments in the Old Testament that God laid down to Moses, but God still laid them down to Moses. And here they are, and this guy is violating them, walking up to Jesus, getting everybody infected. This is the law, people. Jesus had an obligation to have that man stoned. You know how I know that? Because in the Old Testament, when Moses took the children out of the wilderness, a man that picked up sticks on the Sabbath had to be stoned. And this is a lot more serious than that. And yet, the God who handed down 613 commandments of the law stood in front of this leper and said, I am willing, I will heal you. And he did it. You ever felt like a leper? You ever been in a situation where you felt dirty, unclean? Maybe you didn't have leprosy. Maybe you were a sexually immoral person, or maybe you were just filthy, or or maybe it was just, you know, some attitude that you had. But have you ever felt like a leper? Nobody invited you to the party. Nobody welcomed you into the circle. Nobody wanted you in their small group. Nobody invited you to go out to dinner. Nobody picked you. For whatever reason it was, have you ever felt like the leper? If they just knew this about me, they wouldn't want to be around me. I have sin in my life and they might see it. I don't know what to do about this, Lord. Shift gears for just a minute. Some of you might know that I love dogs, Um, some of you might think I have a sickness. I'm a leper. There it is. I said it. I do have dogs, and I do love them, and they are amazing, and this is them. These are my dogs. That's uh, Sophie down on the lower left. Sophie we just imported three months ago from Serbia. That's Frank. I don't care what you say about your dog. Frank is the man, okay? Next to Frank is Lola, sweetest dog you ever met in your whole life. And next to her is Nina. Nina's from Spain. She was born in Barcelona. We imported her. Um, and so I'm not here to brag. I'm I'm just here to say, these, believe it or not, are some very, very expensive dogs. It. I have had people tell me how stupid I was for spending that amount of money on those four dogs. You are out of your ever loving mind. It is absurd. What kind of person does this? You're going to be in the poor house. That's fine as long as I can be with them and my wife. But that's the truth. And just for the record, that's what I feed them. It's gold. The people that make it think it's gold. Um, But it is. Um, I feed them more than five-pound bags. I buy 30 pounds at a time. It costs about $63 a bag. I go through about, I don't know, a bag and a half a week. Maybe not quite that much. Maybe... Five bags a month, whatever that comes out to. They, they eat food. They're big. Frank weighs 112 pounds. Nina weighs about 95. I mean, uh, Lola weighs about 95 and they look like cattle inside my house. Um, And they live inside my house. I love those dogs. We do life together. They are some absolutely amazing guys. They are super high caliber. Um, As a matter of fact, Nina, the one from Barcelona, her dad is the 2015 world champion. Okay. So now you're going, oh, I know about what he paid for that dog. Holy cow. I could have bought a Camry, a used one, but still a Camry. I could have, really. And it's just like, whoa. I don't say all that for, to say, oh, Joe, look at his dogs. I say that to say I have some very high-caliber dogs. I feed them some very, very high-caliber um, food. They are incredibly pedigreed. They are amazing. And they make stin- a poop that really stinks. You can't hide it. They make gas. They will drive you out of a room. I've had members of the board of this church get up and walk out of the room before because one of them was laying in there. And he turned around and said, man. And I said, it's okay. It will go away in a half hour or so. <laughs> but you know what I found out? You can't tell the difference between my dog's and a shelter dog's poop. It all stinks just the same. Sin, like stink, doesn't care about your pedigree. Not at all. So as you and I go through life and as we say, what does it mean for us to be a Christian? This is what we're trying to get across here, and we have been for the last 14 years. The problem is that you and I are all sinners. Every single one of us. I had a man tell me once, Yeah, I'm just a bad Christian. There's no such thing as a bad Christian. You either are or you aren't. Doesn't mean you're perfect. Doesn't mean you're without fault. Doesn't mean you don't struggle. It just means you've surrendered your life to Jesus and you're struggling with your feet pointed toward the cross and you're doing your best to crawl that way or run that way, jog. Whatever it takes, you're trying to get close to Jesus and you're struggling. You're still a human being. It's like when somebody said, "Um, I'm a little bit pregnant. No, 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 no. You're either pregnant or you're not pregnant, okay? There's no little bit and there's no almost. It's a yes or a no, okay? Same way with us understanding, are we Christians? And Paul says this about us being sinners. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption of Christ Jesus. And we don't like people to call us sinners, do we? Because I'm not as bad as that guy. But you know what? My poop still stinks. It still stinks. John says if we claim to be without sin, not we used to be a sinner. John says if we claim to be without sin right now, we deceive ourselves. We're liars and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us from our sins and cleanse us, purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make Christ out to be a liar and his word is not in us. We are sinners. Paul tells the church in Rome, I do not understand. When we talk about, well, if I'm saved, then why do I keep sinning? And I was thinking about that as we, I was thinking about the problem of sin in our lives is that we will struggle with it the rest of our lives in this physical body. Paul says, I don't understand what I do. This is the apostle Paul. This is Paul who got saved. This is Paul who's walking with Jesus. This is Paul who is anointing people with the Holy Spirit. This is Paul who is being moved by the Spirit. This is Paul who is planting churches. This is Paul and he says I don't know why I understand what I do for what I want to do I don't do but what I hate I do and if I do what I don't want to do I agree that the law is good all 613 commandments as it is it is no longer myself who do it but it is a sin living inside of me for I know that good itself does not dwell in me that is in my sinful nature for I have the desire to do what is good but I can't carry it out for I do not do the good I want to do but the evil I don't want to do Ah, he puts a hyphen in there, at least we did. I don't do, this I keep, excuse me, I keep doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that is living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner to the law of sin at work within me. What, uh, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? So begin, we look, beginning, we look at the word that says, you and I are all sinners alike. I don't care how good the dog food is, how good your pedigree is. You and I are all sinners alike. And then Paul steps up, a man called by God, a man that studied under Gamaliel, a man that was the apostle's apostles, and he's standing there and he's like, man, I am, I'm just, I'm, it, I'm ruining it. See, because so many times we think that once we get saved, it should be all sunshine and roses. We shouldn't have any problems. We should be able to stop sinning. And I'm not saying we can't. By the power of the Holy Spirit of God Almighty, I'm telling you right now, we can do incredible things if we will choose to believe what Christ said. However, you and I still struggle, as Paul said, against his humanity that tempts him and tries to drag him away. And he calls himself a wretched man, even as an apostle of Jesus Christ. And he talks to you and I about two kinds of sin. The first one being the sin of commission. Actually say, I'm going to steal something, or like I said before, I'm going to whack somebody. And we're not into whacking people, so if you're watching online and you're wondering, no. It goes against our belief system. There's no whacking. Um, and so, uh, stealing something. But lying? Gossip? Sin? It stinks. It all stinks the same. It's all bad. It's all nasty. It all separates us from Christ. It's the sin of commission. We commit sins. We get tempted. We're led away. Then we sin. Sooner or later, it you know, draws us into death. That's the sin of commission. And then Paul lists the sin of omission. Have you ever thought about that? that the good that you're supposed to do, the good that you know to do, the good standing right in front of you that God is calling you to, you start playing that guessing game and you say, "Ah, I don't know if that's the Lord, if I should do that. And so instead you don't do it and then you go home and then you beat yourself up because the good that you ought to do, that you know to do, you don't do and that is sin for you. What does that mean? It means Christ leveled the playing field and we're all sinners. Not a one of us has the right To look down our nose at anybody else because all of our poop stinks. All of our sin smells. And so there's the problem. And you and I, as we surrender our life to Jesus and not accept him as our Lord and Savior, but surrender to him as our Lord and Savior, you know, you've know, you heard me say that before. If you accept him as your Lord and Savior, you're going to get up and you're going to say, Lord, you need to do this, and you need to do this, and you need to do this. If you surrender to him, you get up and you say, Lord, I surrender. What do you want me to do now? And that's the position we are supposed to be living our lives in. There's got to be a transformation to take place which leads us into the solution of the sin that we struggle with, and that is the sacrifice of Jesus. It is the Passover lamb of God Almighty to redeem us from the curse of Adam and Eve. And that's what Jesus did on Calvary. You see, at just the right moment, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, somebody might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this while Uh, we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. He died for you. He didn't have to die again when this generation came around. He died back there. What he put in God's bank was so much that it didn't matter who was born and what they did after that. He covered it. So we know the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. The blood of our Passover lamb is the only acceptable payment for the sin in our lives that keeps us out of heaven. That's it. So here's a question. Do you know him? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? And in getting back up, have you said, what do you want me to do now, Lord? Or did you get up saying, God, let me tell you what you need to do. Is that what's going on? Because the next thing that happens is you get invited into the mission. We go from recognizing that we're sinners to the saving grace of Jesus' willingness to shed his blood on our behalf. But more than that, the church wasn't built on the shed blood of Jesus, believe it or not. That was important to pay for the debt. But if there was no resurrection, then we are the worst of all people. We have no hope. But see, what the church preached 2,000 years ago was this dude was raised from the dead three days later, just like he said he was going to, and people saw him walking around. He met with his disciples and 500 other people over and over again before he left to go to heaven to prepare a place for us. Therefore, this world we live in is not all that there is. We're just here to do the work of the kingdom of God until he calls us home. The goal is not to stay on the planet. The goal is to live our lives in such a way that when we meet him face to face, he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. And not live our lives trying to stay here. Believe it or not, going home is the blessing. We ask the question, why am I still here, Lord? To which he says, I've got work for you to do. And when your work is over, he says, come home. And that's not a bad thing. That's come. Take hold of the inheritance prepared for you since the foundation of the world. It's time for you to come. He wants you to be there. The mission, make disciples of Jesus' teaching. Real quick, tell them about Jesus. Straight up, tell them about Jesus. Jesus came to his disciples and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Um, as you go along, and I put that in those uh, you know, little brackets because I'm saying it. Therefore, go means as you go along. It doesn't mean you all have to be missionaries, it doesn't mean you all have to go across the ocean. It, does, it means as you go along, make disciples. Make disciples. When you go to Walmart, tell somebody, hey, are you going to church anywhere? will not you come on with me wherever your church is? Invite them to come. When you go to your classes tomorrow, that's a place to say, you know what I heard in church tomorrow? Hey, where are you going to church at? Invite them to church. If you've got the opportunity to share your testimony, say, hey, this is what the Lord's doing in my life, and share your testimony. And watch what begins to happen to people's lives when we begin to take seriously the mission of making disciples for Jesus Christ. It will be so powerful. As you go along, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've taught you, I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. The next thing that we do is we tell them about Jesus as we encourage them to persevere, because we live in a time when people are giving up right and left. As people say, well, uh, I'm in the process of deconstructing my faith. You know what that means? I'm in the process of apostatizing. I'm in the process of walking away from God. I'm in the process of recreating God to be the God that I feel that I need. No. We don't get to make God or remake God or refigure God or tell God what is and isn't sin. God told us what sin is. But we don't get to throw rocks at sinners because we were sinners. You know how this world should live? This world should live like a world that doesn't know God. Because it doesn't. That's what we should expect from the world until we tell them about Jesus. And we're invited to do that. And we're called to encourage them to persevere, to not give up. Paul said in his letter to the Hebrew church, you need to persevere. See, that's how I know we need to persevere. Because God is pretty clear. You need to persevere. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. There it is. When you've done everything he's got for you to do on this earth, he will take you home. You can't stay past that time, according to Psalm 139, and you can't leave before that time, even if you do it yourself. You cannot do that, and don't do that. But you can't leave early, and you can't stay late you'll be right on time, because he knows what's going to happen. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And he goes on to say, but my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one that shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but we belong to those who persevere and are saved. The book of Revelation, um, John writes to you and I on behalf of the kingdom of God, and he's speaking. Jesus says, Whoever hears, whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to the one who overcomes. Over and over and over again to those seven churches, he says, but to the one who overcomes, to the one who perseveres, to the one that stays the course, to the one who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. So what happens to the one that doesn't persevere? He's talking to the church. He's talking to saved people. We are called To encourage each other to persevere we've got to encourage people to not give up we've got to do that because we live in this world where where people will just tell you whatever they want and say that's truth I literally was watching a a hearing of some sort I didn't mentally put down where it was but whoever it was that had a position on the hill was talking to a math teacher that was sitting in front of him and he said I want to ask you a question it's a yes or no question. Does two plus two equal four? I kid you not, this math teacher looked him in the eye and said, well, we live in a world where you can't say that it does anymore because we might decide that two plus two equals six. Ladies and gentlemen, that's where we are. And we have been called to encourage people to persevere and stay true to the truth. And so that's what our call is to do. And then the next thing, that the last thing that I want to share with you before we go into a time of prayer is that we are called, as the church, to call wayward people back to their first love, to leave the 99 and find the wandering one. That's our call. It's our mission Wherever we work, wherever we play, wherever we hang out, wherever we love, wherever we do these things, we're called to be doing that. We don't have to be weird about it, but it's okay to be uncomfortable about it and start doing it. Paul tells Timothy, Timothy, guard what's been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge. Two plus two equals six, and that's knowledge now? Really, and you've seen even more horrific experiences, or examples. I'm sorry, examples. It's it's awful. Which some have professed, and in doing so, have wandered, abandoned the faith, um, from the faith. The grace and grace be with you all. We live in a world right now of predators that are out there. I was looking at the the animal kingdom. You know, sharks will eat other sharks. And wolves will eat other wolves. But I've come to understand this because we used to raise them back on the farm. Sheep don't eat other sheep. They don't. Sheep don't eat other sheep. The fact of the matter is, you and I are called to have been doing something different. We are the sheep of the Lord, and those are his words, not mine. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation, restoring sinners, not celebrating sin. But here's the deal, and I need this to land very gently and subtly and specifically on your shoulders. When a sinner repents, God's forgiveness is already there, and we rejoice and we walk with them. We don't abandon sinners because they sin. We don't abandon Christian people in our midst that sin. We go to them and say, hey, what about your sin? And when they repent, we welcome them with open arms. And we bring them back in. And we walk with them in accountability. And we walk with them in encouragement. But listen to me. There is no place in the scripture where Jesus told the leper, stay away from me, you stinking sinner. I don't like your particular brand of sin. No place. So let me just share this thought with you as we go into this time. Who or what in your life is making you feel like a leper because I can tell you right now Jesus loves you and I can tell you right now he said and I think we can lean into it that he's willing we can come close and we don't have to live in fear of other lepers we're supposed to be bringing the healing the one thing that Jesus has made perfectly clear to me and in 12 more days, I will celebrate 30 years of ministry, full time ministry. The one thing that He's made clear to me in all of that is that Jesus is perfectly willing to touch me. He is perfectly willing to love me. He is perfectly willing to heal me. He is perfectly willing to sit down and eat with me. He is willing to provide for me. He is willing to interact with me. He is willing to make room for me in his immediate circle. He is willing to challenge me in my life and lifestyle. He is willing to forgive me of all the dirty, nasty, unclean things that I or anybody else on this planet can do. Because my Lord is willing. And let me say this if Jesus lives inside of you, then there can be no other response to the lepers in our midst and in our community I had the opportunity to ride along with a police officer one time um, a couple of months ago it was after dark and I'm just telling you I believe in police officers law enforcement agencies we celebrate them we don't throw rocks at them you get behind them when you're sleeping you don't know what's going on out there and it gets pretty ugly but we went into a building and there were some people living in there and it was squalor and nasty and unclean and no baths and it smelled like a sweaty locker room that hadn't been cleaned for years and there was stuff all over the place empty containers of food needles spoons all kinds of things that was used for drugs and there was two people in there dripping with sweat and and it was 3 o'clock in the morning and we went in there and talked to them because this police officer has such a big heart and then he said now we're going to pray with them and he said go ahead put your hand on them and pray with him. and there was a split second where my brain said touch him but that thought could not stop my hand from moving forward thank you Jesus and I put my hand on them and we prayed for them listen to me my God is not ashamed to touch your filth if my God lives inside of you, then we've got no business judging everybody else's sin because our sin stinks just like theirs. We just hide it better. We just hide it better. I'm not saying there's not bigger consequences and smaller consequences. I'm saying we're the church. We don't need our own. And we're not going to. That's the message we're trying to get out there. That's going to bring people in and let them know that there is hope, that God's not... Sick and tired of them, fed up with their their bad decisions, that he's willing to do something in their lives that he will let them. And if we're at the place of saying, I judge them not worthy to be in our midst, then we've crossed the line. God said, You don't have permission to cross. You don't. So we welcome everybody in. We chase after Jesus with a reckless abandonment. And we do everything we can to get out of God's way. Because he's going to do some things. And I want to be a part of greater things that Jesus talked about. So everybody come to your feet. I know we had an ordination and it got a little bit long today. But I needed to share that with you. So here's the deal. If you're feeling like a leper, like the one that's pushed out, not invited, if you're feeling dirty and unclean by the people around you and you don't know how to express it, would you do me a favor? Would you come up here so I can pray with you? If you're feeling like the leper, that nobody wants to be around, could I pray for you? Would you just come on up here and let me pray for you? Just right here. Can you do that? I know it takes a little courage. I know it does. Because you've got to be vulnerable, right? This is the place where we should be allowed to be vulnerable. It is. Is that you today? I need Jesus to touch my filth and to know that I'm not a horrible, 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 awful person. No, I'm I'm okay. I'm going to share with you the word and we'll let the Lord work on your heart. It's It's not me. And what about this? You know you've been keeping some lepers at bay and you need to repent from that. You've not forgiven people. You know the scripture tells us, and I didn't get to read it in here, that if we don't forgive other people, we're not going to be forgiven. And so you're going to have to deal with that as you process the idea that you've surrendered your life to Jesus, but you're you're living in unforgiveness. And I'm not I'm not trying to throw a rock at you. I'm just saying there's a place where I need you to process that. And if you're here and you're saying, wow, there's a person in my life that I'm having such a hard time forgiving, can we please pray for you? Could you come up over here? I'm not going to ask you to share anything. No microphones. I just want the opportunity to pray for you. We want people to pray for you. There you go. It takes a little courage. Good for you. Hey, nobody gets help that doesn't come to Jesus. You know? All right, can I get some prayer people to just come on up over here? Just going to invite you to pray with me. and We're going to go into this last song and we're going to zoom on out of here, but let's just pray. Fathers, we come before you right now. We thank you for these people and, th- and those that are, uh, are struggling with the courage that it takes, Lord, to step out of their, their comfort zone. God, we just ask and pray. Holy Spirit, we just invite you. Please be present. Just come and have your way. We don't want to offend you. We don't want to disparage you. We don't want you to to keep you away from us. We want to invite you to come here. And so we just ask and pray that you would move in here and begin to transform hearts. Begin to change that which was so painful into something that can bring you glory, God. and, And if possible, to bring resolution to it so that they can move on. Father, we thank you and praise you for the ministry that you're going to do right here. If there are prayer people in here, clearly I need you up here right now, even if you're not on today. So just get out of your comfort zone and come on over here. There you go. Father, we want to continue to pray and just invite you to do something here in just a miraculous way because sometimes the pain hurts too much so we just say bring your glory God be present in this place in Jesus holy name we're going to invite them to keep praying for each other while we move into this psalm right here